Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Welcome to the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you Friday, February 4th. Boy, anything happening around South Carolina the last couple of days? Boy, it was uh, something else on Wednesday. I, you know, I called it the ghost ship signing day because Gamecocks weren't signing anybody and uh, it was going to be relatively uh, slow and uneventful. Then uh, the proverbial crap hit the fan. <laughs> Connor Shaw, uh, former Gamecock uh, quarterback, leaving the program and his position off the field. And Eric Kimry, another former Gamecock quarterback, uh, leaving as the tight ends coach to accept the head coaching job at the Baylor School in Chattanooga. Um, before we get started with this, uh, Tom today is a little constrained, compressed. I got a bunch of um, mailbag questions to get to later. Uh, may not get to all of them today, but definitely going to um, – Get to all of them, maybe in a bonus episode on about early Saturday morning, something like that. Going to try to get it, uh, try to get it uh, in today. But uh, we're going to go ahead and like combine the news and analysis segments, uh, and that means I need to tell you uh, here in a minute about Sydney Searfoss, our analysis segment sponsor. Uh, but first, let, let me get in on this 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 Camry and and Shaw thing. Um, I understand that. Gamecock Twitter, Gamecock message board community, fans, media, uh, you know, the speculation because of, you know, some things that have been reported during the season was that Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, had a lot to do with it. Um, I, uh, I'll i say this. I, I, I think everybody makes decisions based on their lives. Um, and that's true with football job, any kind of jobs. You got to do what's best for your family. Um, Was everything hunky-dory this year in the building with Satterfield, with the offense? No. Uh, I can't lie and say that it it was sunshine and rainbows and all that. I I will say this. Both folks, both people, uh, Connor and Eric, left with no hard feelings. 
hugs and handshakes and that included sap. So I, um, you know, I, I, at the end, I think it was a life decision for both people. Um, again, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, everything was sunshine and rainbows. There were no problems, I, you know, but, but that happens in any kind of competitive environment. Uh, you guys know my opinion on the offensive coordinator situation, and I don't have to re- re- – I told myself I wasn't going to rehash that, and I'm not. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll judge all that when the season gets here because there's certainly – uh, a lot more uh, ammo <laughs> for the Gamecock offense heading into next season, and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, that's the decision Shane Beamer, the head coach, has made, and um, there's nothing any of us can do about it. Uh, and I don't know that there's anything to do. I think that when you get into the offseason, they're focused on recruiting, getting your current players better, planning for the next year. Uh, there's something to be said about continuity. Uh, I think all of those things are going well, uh, and I think we'll definitely revisit – uh, the offense, you know, probably not even in the spring game because if you watch the spring game last year, uh, you know, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty good offense. I thought, you know, very vanilla, but there were no like operational issues. The line blocked well, that kind of thing. Uh, but it's just hard to tell. Uh, even if the offense looks like crap in the spring game, you know, you just don't know. Is it the offense? Is it the defense? What, what what's going on? Uh, so we'll revisit this after the Gamecocks play Georgia State in the opener. Uh, in terms of the offensive coordinator. Now, if something happens and let's hypothetically, let's say Mark Satterfield uh, gets a big opportunity in the National Football League where he, you know, enjoys uh, coaching and has enjoyed coaching for that one year and he leaves, then we'll talk about who the new coordinator should be and what kind of offense they'll be running and, and that kind of thing. But right now, you know, like I said, I'm going to stay away from that. But I'll tell you this factually, and and I understand the need to 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 speculate and and the need if you're unhappy with the offense to to say some of the things that have been said I get that I mean with fans I mean everybody was frustrated by the offense by some of the reports that came out uh, that kind of thing and um, I understand that uh, but sometimes you know it, it's not all about just that and when you speculate. Uh, to the negative extreme with this situation with both these guys. You're basically, you know, saying that the most celebrated, you know, or most successful quarterback in the history of the school is a liar, and that uh, a guy that uh, made the most iconic play uh, in the two in the early 2000s of the fade, he's lying. And both those guys are not liars. I mean, I know both of them. They're they're honest people, and um, so so you have to understand it and, and factually grasp it that with Eric Kimry, you know, maybe. Maybe college coaching with the you know the pressure and the the, the shelf life and all that. Um, maybe that's uh, you know maybe that's something that that played a factor. You get a lot more, uh, I guess uh, you know longevity uh, at a private high school or at a school high school program where you're winning. And he certainly had that at Hammond. And his friend, his best friend, is now the headmaster at Baylor. Um, it's a beautiful campus. It's a lot like a small college. It's a absolute powerhouse in Tennessee, even though, you know, they've, they've, they haven't been as good, I guess, as their crosstown rival, which is another p- p- private school powerhouse. But there are resources there to, to, to help you be successful. Um, I know in my life, uh, I, I, I grew up in South Carolina. I love the state. I was early in my career. I was living in Georgia and Gainesville, Georgia, which is not too far from the from the border or the upstate where I'm from. 
and I was in newspapers and, uh, you know, it came time to get on out of there. Uh, you know, me and the ex-wife at the time, and I had a chance to go back to South Carolina. Um, and that draw was very, very powerful, but it was still in newspapers. And then I had the opportunity to move to ironically, Tennessee, <laughs> Nashville and work for rivals.com, which I, I had been struggling and, uh, you know, thinking that, you know, the, the sports medium was going to go on the internet because I saw, uh, you know, uh, streaming video coming up. I, you know, it was in its infancy then. Uh, sports is very instantaneous. You don't want to wait to read the paper to read the box score. Uh, I just felt like it, and I was right. But it took me going to Tennessee and out of my comfort zone, although Nashville ended up being a wonderful place for me to live, uh, to make that move. And I think sometimes in life, you know, you can build up a lot of regret if you don't make that move, if you're just comfortable kind of attached to where you live or whatever. Uh, and I've never been afraid to do that in, in my career. So personally, I can kind of relate to, and in my personal life too, to be honest, uh, those of you that are wondering why sometimes I'm in Chicago, that's why, uh, I, you know, so I respect that. For you know, people want always been there his whole life, blah, blah blah, and that's great. And I'm sure there'll be times that Eric Kimry would like to come back to South Carolina because it's uh, it's home and it gets in your blood. And and you know, I I don't I can't say that on a daily basis when I've been out of the state, I don't want to come back because we all love it, you know, right? That, that's why we're Gamecocks or some some we're Tigers, and uh, we love shrimp and grits and barbecue and country music. Most of us, and uh, you know, we love South Carolina. Uh, NASCAR, you know, I don't, I'm not a NASCAR guy, I, you know, and all that. I'm not stereotyping every South Carolinian, but we, we, you know, for different reasons, we all love the state, you know, and, and, and I understand the draw of home. Uh, one of my friends one time told me, uh, when we were talking about home, he, he's like, you know, South Carolinians are a lot like this guy's from Alabama. He's like, they're like people from Louisiana, you know, it's this unique culture and, and people, you know, want to go home. Well, I, I get it. So I get it. But I also get that there's something to be said for leaving your comfort zone and, and taking on an opportunity like Kimry is uh, that's more in your wheelhouse, that provides more stability for your family, that provides a better upside financially. Uh, yeah, that's true. I mean, he's not taking a pay cut to go up there. There's no state income tax in Tennessee on top of that, so he'll probably bring home even more. Um, and, and to build something as a head coach, keep in mind, too, Eric, Kimry was not a, an assistant coach. Uh he was a GA way back in the day, and he's never been an assistant coach. And that's a different, that's a different animal. Um, and yeah, it was his dream job to go coach at South Carolina. But when you get into the reality of being an assistant coach at the college level, it's a different deal. I've talked to a lot of people that have made that move, and it's it's a look, it's an adjustment, especially when you've been a head coach at the high school level for 20 years, you're used to being in charge, and then all of a sudden you're not. And you know, it, it, there's all kinds of things that went into that. You know, with Connor Shaw, uh, God, I have a lot of respect for that guy and uh, what he's done with the program. Um, if you think about it, you know, he kind of had Derek Moore's job before Derek got there. Then they split duties, you know, and he was more of an alumni guy and all that. And, you know, and I think sometimes then during a transition, you can kind of within yourself, and he mentioned this, uh, start to, to kind of consider another calling. Uh, and I know people get critical of Connor. They're like, oh, this guy, 
you know, he uh, he's changed jobs all the time. He was at Furman and nice here. And, and look, who cares? <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you change jobs 50 times uh, by the time you're, you know, in your thirties. And, and, and if you figure it out and you're happy, who cares? It's his life. Uh, he's given enough to this program. You know, if he, if he doesn't do a single thing for South Carolina football for the rest of his life, Connor Shaw's given enough. And if he wants to leave and go pursue something else, everybody just needs to support it and, and be, and, and calm down. Um, you know, I, I personally, my opinion about Connor Shaw based on what I've heard and, you know, what he's done when the, the couple of times he's been on the field coaching, I think if he wanted to go after coaching, like his dad and his brother, they'd probably be great. You know, just knowing like what I've been told about his offensive mind, about the way he relates to players, his leadership, and Connor Shaw would be great, just like a quarterback, you know, uh, as a winner. Uh, but, you know, winning at life is not always about football. You know, winning at life is about winning at life. And uh, football can help you do that. Football can be a big part of that. It can be your life. But, you know, these aren't robots. Recruits, players aren't robots. Um, fans uh, kind of think sometimes coaches are robots. You know, these are human beings. And, and it's not always as simple as I'm leaving because of this and everybody's like, it doesn't make sense. Therefore, there's some grand conspiracy. Uh, you know, and, and you can accuse me of spinning or towing the company line. Uh, but all I'm doing is telling you what both people told us at the Big Spur on the record. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say Eric's line and Connor's line. I mean, they, those guys deserve more respect from all of us than that. Uh, you know, and like I said, were things perfect? No. That's a fact, too. But it's not always as black and white as people think. Now, what does Shane Beamer do uh, to get his, uh, get his staff uh, figured out here? Uh, and I'd like to go ahead and mention Cindy now, because uh, Cindy sponsors the second segment of this podcast, which is usually the analysis segment. Uh, we kind of combine that in news and notes today because I have so many mailbag questions I have to get to, and I love doing that. Um, but Cindy Searfoss, Caldwell Banker, Kane Real Estate. She's married to a diehard Gamecock fan, been in the upstate of South Carolina for over 35 years. My hometown of Spartanburg, right there, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact her, 864-414-5271. Or email ccerfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane, C-B-C-I-I-C-A-I-N-E dot com uh, for all your real estate needs. We all know we've heard about the real estate market. My goodness, uh, construction, new homes, man, I looked at it, and Alabama's building a new basketball arena, and the cost of that is going to be $100 million over what Auburn paid, $183 million or something like that. Of course, they're doing some other things, too, out in Tuscaloosa, but Point is, uh, prices have skyrocketed. We don't know how long this is going to last. You, you guys need an expert, you know, if you're going to navigate this thing. And if you're in the upstate, there's no better expert than Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Baker Kane. 864-414-5271. Again, Cindy Searfoss. Tell her JC sent you. Proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. So so which, which direction will Shane Beamer go? Okay. Uh, I do not know that answer. All I know is South Carolina, you know, they have some guys that uh, are interested uh, and they're all quality guys. And that's always a sign that your program is on solid footing. Um, I'm going to start with Tim Brewster. Uh, Tim Brewster 
is a an assistant coach. He's coached at Florida, Florida State, Texas, Texas A&M, North Carolina. Um, Recruiting-wise, he was kind of the architect of Mac Brown building a fence around the state twice. Uh, I'll give you an example. Recently, one of the first things he did when Mac hired him back is they both went and flipped Sam Howell. They tried to flip Jalen Nichols, too, <laughs> that year, but uh, we're not successful in that. But North Carolina, you know, if you look at his recruiting, uh, it's been outstanding. On top of that, uh, at Florida, he coached Kyle Pitts. There's never been a tight end drafted higher. When he was the San Diego Chargers, he coached Antonio Gates, one of the one of the first, like, Jared Cook-style former basketball player-looking tight ends. I remember when Gates – uh, came out. I mean, you know, everybody's like, "Wow, this guy's a freak." Um, he recruited Jalen Windermeyer for Texas A&M, and he was the recruiter of record uh, for the 2023 uh, prospect out of St. Louis, Missouri, or Missouri Mac Markway, which is Kyle Markway, former Gamecocks cousin. Uh, Brewster got him to Florida when Brewster left. Markway decommitted, obviously. So, so there's that guy, and he's interested and. Uh, a guy that certainly <laughs> I think would be a tremendous hire, uh, Jody Wright, uh, former Alabama personnel director. He's been with the Browns and then the Giants. Uh, he was with Shane Beamer at Mississippi State. He's kind of in that Freddie Kitchens, Joe Judge uh, coaching tree. They were all with Croom at Mississippi State, by the way. Um, and, you know, he's got obviously excellent recruiting experience. He's one of the first names I heard for the job. Uh, I'm told he's got some other NFL options he's looking at, that kind of thing. Uh, and, and so we'll see where things go with Jody Wright. But uh, certainly uh, in the SEC footprint, he's a guy that's, you know, done it, that knows it, uh, that type of thing. He's coached offensive line before. He's coached tight ends, running backs, uh, Jacksonville State, UAB. Uh, and then with the Giants as an offensive assistant. So, you know, there's that guy. Uh, I don't know as much about Jody Wright as I do Tim Brewster, but uh, I have talked to some people that think he's excellent. So there's another another guy, and he's got kind of the Shane Beamer familiarity thing. Uh, Bobby Bentley, who who could come back, uh, is a guy to keep an eye on. Now, uh, you guys know, you know, I, I have what I would call a long history with Bobby Bentley because I'm a Burns guy, and I know him. I knew him growing up. Uh, I have not asked him anything about this. Uh, and the reason is uh, on a personal level, whenever you're talking jobs and things like that, you really want to kind of, uh, I don't know. You really want to kind of just given the fact that, you know, he's my friend, I guess is a good way to put it. I don't, I, I I'm not asking him about this cause he's a coordinator at South Florida uh, under Jeff Scott. And so I, I don't know if Bentley's, would come back. What I do know is I've heard his name from South Carolina's end of things. Uh, and, and, and if my, you want my opinion on it, heck, I mean, look, look at who all he recruited, who, I mean, the major players on the team and then the guys that, that, that did not pan out that he recruited were all highly rated guys like Joe Anderson and Maxiyama. Um, you know, Eric Shaw's a highly rated guy, but he hadn't, he hadn't worked out yet, but he had give him time, you know, uh, he recruited Kevin Harris. He recruited Tyson Williams. He recruited Rico Dowdle. One of the first things he got there, Tyson and Rico are in the NFL. Recruited Shai Smith, NFL. Recruited Jaheim Bell, will be in the NFL. You get the drift. 
uh, Joe Von Gwynn, Eric Douglas out of Charlotte. Uh, so, so Bobby Bentley during his time at, at South Carolina was an outstanding recruiter. Um, still think he's a great offensive mind uh, from the state. Uh, so you can get him back. Great. You know, I, I, I you know, I think it, everybody thought that things would not work out with Eric Kimry. There's a good chance Bentley would have been retained, you know, I, 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 but, but Kimry and, and Beamer go back a ways and certainly leading up to Shane getting the job, you know, uh, there was a relationship there and, 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 and Kimry and he, you know, became pretty tight and, you know, so it made sense and he didn't know Bobby Bentley coming in. Um, two names I can cross off, uh, or, or not, you know, write them in pencil if you want. I don't know, you know, cause I, I don't want to close the door on anything because when I, you know, the minute I say, looking at how Shane Beamer's hired since he's been, the minute I say, this isn't going to happen, or this is definitely going to happen, or these are the guys, uh, then there's a curveball. <laughs> and I'm sure there'll be, there'll be a curveball with this. There'll be another name come up that I don't have. But Josh Stepp, who just recently got promoted to OC at Georgia State, Justin's brother, um, uh, I think there's been some buzz about him with the job, uh, and that's actually one of my mailbag questions, so I'll go ahead and answer it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think, last I checked, which was last night, there wasn't a lot of confidence that he would get it. Uh, same thing with Pat DeMarco, who's an offensive analyst. Uh, Pat's an invaluable play, uh, part of the team, though. I mean, he, uh, you know, he he filled in for Ontario Hardesty during the bowl game and uh, did well coaching running backs. I mean, he's he's got a future. I just don't know that this is the step for him. Uh, and then there's a, there's a familiar name, a Spurrier, Scott Spurrier, who's a offensive analyst at Arizona right now, uh, where his brother coached under Mark Stoops. Uh, so there's another Spurrier in Tucson. Shoot, a lot of golf courses out there, right? Um, another one make the head ball coach happier than to see Scott return to his alma mater because South Carolina is his alma mater. I mean, he, he's a Gamecock. Um, not sure where he stands in the pecking order. Uh, but certainly, you know, I think he has a – Scott Spurrier, I think, actually has a really good shot at being an excellent coach. He's, he, he's a guy that I think can um, – can really do some things uh, down the road or, or, or currently. So if he got it, great. And then Buster Faulkner, who is a – he's the offensive analyst at Georgia. He used to be offensive coordinator at Southern Miss. Uh, my understanding is at UGA, uh, Mocking kind of walked around and Faulkner was heavily involved with, with the quarterbacks. Uh, analysts can't go coach, but they can, you know, they can work with them, film room, all that. Um, they just won the national championship. So, so Faulkner's a guy, you know, look out for him too. Um, if you're talking about names in the mix, and then, like I said, there's gotta be some wild cards, you know, and then, you know, it's a position tight ends coach where you can be flexible. I mean, you can, Shane could go hire a running or, um, a defensive coach and then either Shane could take tight ends or Pete Limbo could take tight ends, you know, that kind of thing. Um, it's, it's a position that's, Got a lot of flexibility. Bottom line with all this is I think that there are a couple of routes Beamer could go here that would instantly upgrade the coaching staff. Um, instantly. And and that's that's from a recruiting standpoint, um, a, a coaching standpoint in terms of track record. Uh, and this is not that Eric Kimry did a bad job. Kimry was not fired. He was not demoted. Uh, they they provided uh, they provided they parted, <laughs> provided, 
That's not a name. That's not a word, JC. Uh, a part of on good terms. Uh, he was not going to be fired. You know, he, he's going to be able to come back. Uh, I thought, you know, when you look at Trey Kenyon getting better this year, you look at what Gene Bell did uh, when they used him the right way. Even Nick Muse had a more solid season. I wish Nick would have gotten more targets, but that's more of an offensive thing. Uh, in recruiting, he took the thing with Oscar Delp to the wire. He helped with Austin Stogner. You know, there's nothing wrong with what Eric Kimmer was doing, but when you're talking about track record and you're, you're talking about Bobby Bentley and what he did in five years at South Carolina, uh, there's a longer track record there. When you talk about what Tim Brewster's done, uh, and look, I'll be honest, I, I would not think Tim Brewster would be a fit for this had he not been at North Carolina twice to get that thing going. Had he not been at Mississippi State under Dan Mullen. Uh, had he not been the head coach at Minnesota, uh, he's not a guy that's just walked around with the 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 Texas A and M on his jersey or the Longhorn on his shirt or not jersey. You, you don't wear a jersey to go recruit guys. Well, my brain, wow. Uh, you know, he, he's not a guy that's just been at Blue Bloods. He's done more with less, uh, and he, you know, the two times he walked in the door in Chapel Hill, they were not winning at all. They were three wins, and they were one win or whatever before Mac took over the first time. Uh, he knows every high school coach in that state. Um, Bobby Bentley knows all the coaches. You know, you look at those two guys, I mean, it's it's a, you know, it, it, there's no question that, that those guys would be good uh, in that position at tight ends coach. Uh, Jody Wright, probably the same thing. Uh, and Jody Wright could – Jody Wright could end up being the guy for the job. Um. I don't know as much about him as I do the others, other than what I've been told by contacts at Alabama and elsewhere. Uh, and they all speak very highly of him. Uh, having been, again, Jacksonville State, UAB, places like that, he probably understands, you know, the more with less thing too on the recruiting trail. And he was player personnel at Alabama. That's basically what Taylor Edwards does at South Carolina or what uh, – I think he replaced Ed Marinowitz there, who's a legend in the personnel department. He went on to the pros. Uh, you know, Alabama, you can say it recruits itself, but sort of the secret of their success is they, they don't they, – they still make great evaluations and cross all the T's and dot all the I's. Nick Saban wouldn't have it any other way. Um, and so Jody Wright, you know, Scott Spurrier, Buster Faulkner – um, also guys that I think could do a good job. And then, you know, there may be a wild card that pops up. So let me say this, speaking of Alabama. So I thought, you know, Bama tweets out the, the trio that got hired the other day, Travaris Robinson, Eric Wolford, and Coleman Hutzler, all three guys, you know, from South Carolina that coached under Muschamp. Lo and behold, Joe Cox gets the tight ends job. You know, Joe was here for a year. Coached receivers for for Bobo and Muschamp in 2020. I don't think we ever got kind of a good feeling about Joe Cox as a coach because you know I, I don't know that he was in at the point in his career where you, you go into a situation like South Carolina had, where it's basically Shy Smith and that's it at receiver, uh, and then you're trying to recruit over Zoom and not face to face. And I just I just don't know that. We got any kind of idea other than for that situation, Joe Cox was probably not ready to go coach receivers 
at this level and maximize and all that. I mean, I, th- I think we could, I think that's fair to say, uh, but you don't know in recruiting what he could do because he couldn't get out on the road. You don't know, you know, you don't know a lot. And so he goes to Charlotte for a year. And man, look, going from Charlotte to Alabama is winning the coaching lottery. <laughs> so I think we're going to find out about Joe Cox and I think he'll do well. And I, I always said that, I, you know, when when Beamer didn't retain him, I wasn't surprised, but I was like, hey, he, he's he's going to be good in time. I've, I've talked to too many people that know him and, you know, understand the position he was in at South Carolina. So that's yet another former Gamecocks. You got four there, and then you got Bobo, Muschamp, and McClendon all at Georgia. Seven guys that have been in Columbia recently at Bama and Georgia. So how about that? <laughs> Um, what does that tell us about why the Muschamp era failed? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say about it. Uh, other than when I was talking about Brewster earlier and, 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 and telling you that I wouldn't be as fired up about him had he not been at a Mississippi State or a Minnesota or a North Carolina. Uh, so other than that, you know, that that's my point. Sometimes guys, you know, they need to be at a blue blood. Um, and I think that's the case for some. For guys like Hutzler and Cox and Wolford, though, uh, I wouldn't say that. I really wouldn't say that for Mike Bobo, um, you know, but uh, but I get it. I get that criticism. But I think, you know, when you're talking about Hutzler and you're talking about Wolford, uh, man, you know, those guys uh, have been – I mean, the struggle's been real <laughs> for those cats, um, you know, to get to where they're at. Uh, so I, I think that – you know, being being in a blue blood for for some of them is going to be rewarding for the hard work they put in. For others, uh, I think it's going to be a more a, a more comfortable place uh, for them. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that. But how about that? I mean, you know, who knew that uh, <laughs> that that seven people off that staff would be at Alabama or uh, and Georgia? So it's amazing. Um, all right. Time for the iHelp Consulting mailbag. Uh, and just want to tell you about iHelp Consulting. Daniel Owens from iHelp Consulting. They're a sponsor here. They're a sponsor at uh, JB and Goldwater. If you're a business owner, you're always looking to save time and money. That's where iHelp Consulting can help. iHelp is a Gamecock-owned and operated company whose only mission is to help businesses save money on expenses. So if you think you're paying too much for credit card processing, internet, insurance, anything else, I help can find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. We know that's very important. And remember, if they can't save your business any money, you don't pay them. Uh, you know, how they get paid is they take a percentage of your first year savings. So, like one company saved 48 grand annually, the fee for Daniel and I help would be a percentage of that first year. But then, you know, the next year you save 48 grand again, the next year, so you may save 150 grand and only have to put out a small fee. It's not like other consulting services where it doesn't matter if you make a dime or lose $10,000, they are going to charge you and send you that invoice. Not Daniel. He doesn't do business that way. Um, and then he's going to evaluate it. And if he can't help your business save money, you don't pay him anything. So call or text him, 843-372-5713, or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again, 843-372-5713. iHelp Consulting, how can I help you? Two ways to get in the mailbag, tweet to at the Big Spur Pod. Please follow that and Inside the Game Co- at Inside the Game Cox on Instagram. We have some little highlights on Instagram now. It's a little pretty good. Um, 
So check all that out. Also, if you're interested in joining the bigspur.com right now, 75% off uh, a VIP membership. We've got the total scoop on the tight end search. Uh, Tony Morrell had a good scoop piece today. We got the GG Jackson official visit scoop. Uh, people are talking about the Auburn situation. I mean, it, it's fun. It, it's a lot of fun. I banned somebody today, so that's good too. This guy, sometimes you run into psychos, right, on the message board. I think this guy, I don't know, guy or gal won. I think he's from like Lyman Duncan, Welford, or has some connections there. He goes after me like all the time. And he goes after Bobby Bentley. Uh, and those are, those are like his two people that he loves to trash. So my guess is this guy's a loser or gal is a loser. And uh, from back home, who, who's jealous. But anyway, I had to ban him today. It's the third time I banned him. Uh, and, he, uh, and he keeps coming back with different usernames. He doesn't know I know it's him. I, I can tell without even looking up his, his information <laughs> because of the way he writes, which is nothing close to English, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, I had to ban somebody today, and that's entertaining uh, and, and all that. So if you want to be entertained and get great info, uh, head off to thebigspur.com where you can get 75% off an annual membership. And I'll tell you this, if you want to pay and just join for $10 a month, you don't want to really spend 25, but you want to play full price and go $10 a month, uh, you can get Paramount Plus for free. Yeah, about that. Paramount Plus for free. So uh, be sure to check that out and uh, be sure to be a part of um, thebigspur.com. Anyway, if you don't want to be, that's fine too. Just keep listening to this podcast. We all we all love our podcast listeners. So, all right. So there are two ways to get in the mailbag, like I said, and we'll go to Twitter first. My man, uh, oh, this is about basketball. I haven't mentioned basketball yet. Big game against Tennessee tomorrow, one p.m. Yeah, I've been talking about that all week. So you guys should know CBS. Uh, a win, and I think the season outlook gets better. A loss, going to get tough because then Kentucky's coming to town and you're staring four and seven in the league at the face. And I don't know that they can lose more than eight and make it in, you know, depending on who they beat. They may not be able to lose eight. But anyway, big game, chance for a tier one win or a quad one win. Tennessee's in the top ten of the net. Their record isn't you know, amazing, but they played a brutal schedule and recently lost – uh, I think to Texas last Saturday by a point in Austin uh, in the Big 12 SEC Challenge. So Vols and Gamecocks, Rick Barnes coming to town 1 p.m. I uh, hope if you're the Gamecocks, you're hoping there's a big crowd, you know, just just to, you know, for CBS purposes, for competitive purposes, for this season, you're hoping there's a big crowd. But, you know, we'll see what happens. I'll certainly be tuning in. Uh, so Bryson says, or G. Bryson, Four and five first half of the SEC schedule. The second half is just as tough. I'd argue tougher. I'd be very surprised if USC gets to nine SEC wins by the end of the regular season. If they don't, I see no realistic prospects for making the NCAA tournament. I agree completely. I mean, you've got to get to nine. You can't, can't go eight. I don't think as good as the SEC is this year, when you look at the numbers with the net, um, you're not going to get there with a losing record. Uh, in the league, you know, and it, and it's just, you know, South Carolina needs Florida State to start. I mean, Clemson beat Florida State the other day. I don't know what's wrong with FSU. Uh, they were supposed to be better. You know, they need them to win, UAB to win, that kind of thing. Florida State's 82nd. 
you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, the, the numbers are just not working all that well for the game. Conference USA, for example, Western Kentucky was supposed to be a contender. Well, they're not. Uh, they've got a losing record. Uh, and that was a big neutral site win at the time. Princeton seems, even though they're tops in the Ivy League, they seem to be moving down because the Ivy is pretty weak, you know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, and, and I, so I, I don't, th- I think you're absolutely right. I don't think there's any way South Carolina sitting at 99th right now in the net, uh, can make it in the to, to can, numbers wise can make it in the tournament with, uh, without a, at least a 500 record. And even in that, uh, G Bryson, um, I think that you, that you would have to have the right mix of wins. In other words, you know, like I mentioned, Tennessee's 13th in the country, Kentucky's seventh in the net, LSU's 15th, all those games are at home, you know? So if you're the Gamecocks, uh, yeah, that's kind of the mix you want. Mississippi State's coming back to town. That could be a Q2. A&M's coming back in, you know, that kind of thing. And then you get, you can't go on the road and lose to Ole Miss, Georgia, obviously, who are lower ranked. And then you got to take care of business against Missouri, but you know, they're going to have to have the right mix of wins. There's no question about it. Um, and like I said, I don't think a losing record will get them there. Uh, Gamecock fan three says, hate to see Kimry and Shaw go, but what about Step's brother, Josh Step? Mentioned him earlier, Gamecock fan three. Uh, certainly a guy that's worthy, but not necess- not a guy that I think will get it this time. And and there has been some discussion there. So it's not, you're not out of out of left field with mentioning Josh Step. I just is the timing right? And I don't know, you know, I, I, I frankly, Josh Step. Being the coordinator at Georgia State, I don't know he'd love to come be on staff at Carolina. But he's got a chance to really make some things happen. Uh, they've got a lot of good players coming back. You know, you just hope it doesn't happen the first game next year. But uh, that's uh, that's the deal there. So uh, not looking like it'll be Josh Stepp or Pat DeMarco uh, at this stage. I can't rule anybody else out there. Okay, Greg. Comes in, he says, I know it's always said the numbers work out, reaching the roster limit for football, but I've never seen anyone allude to how coaches go about trimming the fat, so to speak. Seems like a tough spot for coaches and players alike. Uh, I think it's just honest conversations. I mean, it used to be you could take a scholarship. Steve Spurrier would take a scholarship in a heartbeat, you know, because the rules at the time were they were renewable year after year. Now, Schools, including South Carolina, now guarantee them for four years. So it's, uh, you know, you can't, you can no longer say we're taking your scholarship. Uh, And I don't think there's any chance Shane Beamer and his staff run, like pick on somebody enough to run them off. Uh, I think these things take care of itself. Um, And you just do that by having – you know, honest conversations. So, so that's the thing there with that. Um, next email comes in for VJ. Ooh, got a long one. Belmont Gamecock, by the way. Um, it's been an exciting few months in recruiting JC. You can see the skill pieces coming together on offense. The next three months should be fun to watch. I'm not sure we've ever had such a complete roster this time of year. Would love to hear your comments and opinions for the position analysis below. Sorry to advance for the length. With uh, the snake, Rattler at QB1, hopefully we see Doty get back to 100% this spring and take steps to run the offense in a reserve role. 
I agree there. Uh, we should see Gauthier and Braden Davis chucking around this spring a lot while Luke recovers. And for what it was worth, I tend to agree Joyner's a quarterback and probably the second best option based on what we've seen. But as a graduate, I can't see him sitting on the bench and waiting for his number to be called. His stock is up. And if you read his social media post, I don't, I, I don't interpret much with the kids and their social media posts these days. Um, just because a lot of times you a player will put something out on social media and it's like intended for their girlfriend or their friend or some some of their personal life. And you think they're leaving the pro quitting football, you know. <laughs> so I don't really do that, but it says it could be received maybe feeling out of opportunities. But out of respect and integrity, doesn't want to jump in the portal without clarity. I want to enjoy this competition as it unfolds, but there will be attrition somewhere before the year ends. I tend to agree that one of the quarterbacks, uh, probably not the freshman, you know, I can't rule Joyner out. I can't rule Gauthier out. I would like to rule Doty out, but don't know, you know, don't know that I can 100%. Probably 90-something. Uh, I just don't think it'll be Davis or Bailey simply because they're too new, and I don't think either one has expectations of starting next year. As far as Joyner goes, here would be what I would do with him. And, and, and you get into a tricky situation, but you don't have to deal with it till 2023. You know, Joyner's the – I think you just keep him at quarterback and you let him compete for the – you know, Rattler's probably going to win the job, but you let him compete for number two, which I think he's capable of doing – um, compete for number two, play some wildcat. It won't be as much as in the bowl game, but and uh, hopefully it's more of a diverse wildcat package than what they try to do during the regular season, which absolutely did not work. And it was done at dumb times, in my opinion, from the, as far as the rhythm of the game goes. Uh, but hey, that, that's last year's offense. Okay, we're, we're going to figure out this year's offense. Uh, and he's got two years. Uh, I didn't know if you knew that or not. So if he's number two and then he could take over in 2023, say Dodie's not quite ready to do it then. I hope he is. Or, or let's just say that Joyner's that much better. Because I, I, I think when you watch to carry Joyner, the one thing, and he hasn't had you – can't, you can't take what's happened in the Wildcat one play here and there and, and really make a lot of it. But when he's come in the game and played actual quarterback, right, um, be it the Charleston Southern game or, or the Georgia game in 2019 where he came in the second half or, um, you know, the bowl game. He's a different player uh, than he is at receiver or returning kicks or whatever. He's a more natural player. He's more elusive. He's got better natural ability at quarterback. Uh, and he's got a pretty good arm. I mean, the guy's not, you know – he's not Peyton Manning throwing the ball, but he's got arm strength. You know, the, the pass he threw in the bowl game off his back foot to bell to get things started was beautiful. Uh, he can, he's got good instincts at eluding the rush and knowing when to run. I, I could see it. I'm just saying, I'm not saying that'll happen. I'm just saying me personally, I could see it. Or I see him going someplace else and lighten it up at quarterback. So, and he says, moving on to running back, VJ continues on. 2021 certainly wasn't ideal with four guys getting an inconsistent, rhythmless share of carries. Running backs need to get comfortable and uh, mobile quarterbacks to lead to more opportunities, scrambles and dump offs. Uh, Marshawn needs to emerge from spring and fall camp as the number one back. It's time. Uh, and I'll say this about Marshawn. He was number one before he got hurt in 2020. 
Uh, and I think he had like rotten, rotten luck, rotten luck this year in terms of at inopportune times, guys missed blocks. There was confusion. He get, I mean, he took more hard hits than anybody. And coming off an ACL, that has to kind of do something to your, you know, your 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 confidence. But if you if you watch him, the few times he got loose, uh, he's got that ability. And there, there's no question when you talk to people around the program that he does. By the way, those of you that care about NIL. Uh, and South Carolina being competitive in it, Marshawn did launch a clothing brand called Uno. If you follow him on social media, uh, check that out. And uh, that's one way as fans, when these guys launch their products, uh, you can go buy a bunch of T-shirts or whatever that you can help uh, with the NIL uh, situation at South Carolina because they go through and they look at her. Wow, you know, Gamecock fans bought me out. Uh, Gamecock fans bought out Spencer Rattler's store, <laughs> and then he released more Gamecock stuff. And I think he's doing more. So anyway, uh, but I agree, Marshawn can do it. Uh, and then DJ goes on to say, Bill Smith appears to be less sexy but consistent workhorse. He's not a game breaker, but here's an interesting stat: three hundred ninety-one carries over four seasons, zero fumbles. Yep, that's cool. Um, and I think, I think what Bill Smith is, I call him a Bob and dart guy. You know, it's kind of like a Bob and dart his way up there for good yardage. Very solid player. Uh, Juju McDowell's carved out a nice role. Kickoff return, change of pace. Yeah. And you know, exactly how they use Juju in the bowl, man. I mean, you know, all of a sudden he's out there catching passes or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you know, he goes around on the outside zone and scores. That's exact. The, the personnel use. Uh, to me, in the bowl was as bet as good as it's been. Um, Lavasia Carroll's a nice addition. Reminds me of Corey Boyd, but with higher upside. Now let's see if he's as physical as Boyd, but he's definitely fast. Naturally, he seems like a number two option after Christian Bill Smith graduates. Not sure where that leaves Amos with a walk on from the Ivy League. If Amos can't crack the three deep, he might be head of the portal. Although his size makes him a great goal line option. Yeah, along with Jaheim Bell, like you mentioned here, VJ. You know, but I don't think Rashad Amos is just a goal line back. He's bigger than everybody else, but the the guy's got speed. You know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, And then the kid from from Columbia University that's coming in that's fast. There's just a lot of different ways you can use him. Jet sweeps, that kind of thing. Even from scrimmage, I mean, he's – He's got speed, so if he can adjust, I think things good things could happen for him this year too. And, and even like on special teams, you need guys that are gunners that can go out and play. You know, obviously going from the Ivy League to the SEC, that athleticism gap is big, uh, but the guy can run. At receiver, things are less clear to me. I tend to agree. We'll see a heavy dose of Van Jenkins and Wells. Don't know about Jenkins. I think Van and Wells uh, with Leggett, Brown, and Sampson getting their opportunities in the two deep. I want to see Omega Blake or Rico Powers finally arrive. Well, Omega Blake, man, he's only been there one year, and he did some really good things in practice. They used him in a quarterback spot for a while. They tried to do that in the bowl. didn't work. But Omega is a guy nobody's really talking about right now that I think, you know, could be a guy. Rico Powers, until he does it, you know, he he has been here long enough to where – there's really no excuse, right? Second year, same old, same old with him. You know, goes into a game, catches two passes, thinks he's arrived, doesn't do what he's supposed to do, that kind of thing. 
So we'll see. Uh, and then he mentioned to Karrion Joyner, and we'll see what happens there. I know Joyner's been working out, throwing the ball in, in drills. I don't know. He, he may be catching it, too. I don't know. There's also a bunch of consistently injured Muschamp era wide receivers who are still around, but could be following Rodriguez Davis to the retirement or the portal. Yeah, and Chad Terrell is one of those guys. Um, you know, Sam Reynolds just got here, but, you know, the, the fast kid out of Alabama. So I don't know if you give up on him right now or not. But, uh, you know, if I'm looking and seeing who may be kind of on their way out, for the receivers, I'd say Powers and Terrell uh, are good guys to look at. Um, you know, maybe Reynolds too, if he doesn't feel like he can compete. But uh, you know, I hate to speculate on stuff like that because the minute you do that, Rico Powers gets his act together, and talent's really not a question with him. Titan is really exciting too with Bell and Stogner stating the obvious reasons. And yeah, and look, I will say this too. I, I don't know if Jaheen Bell is going to be working with the new tight ends coach or he's going to be working with Justin Stepp. Uh, he was 46%, according to power, uh, PFF last year, not attached to the line of scrimmage. I expect that number to be more like 70. So it, it, in a sense, he's going to be a wide receiver uh, next year, first and foremost, but he's a guy you can move around all over the place. Um so I'm excited about him as well. And obviously Austin Stogner at that attached role that you can also split him out and Trey Kenyon. Uh, you just need to avoid injuries at tight end because it's not the deepest, not the deepest bunch. So, and then Eric Shaw uh, kind of worked at receiver some last year. I, you know, my opinion on Shaw is, and I don't know enough feedback to know if he has a chance at receiver or not. If he has a chance at receiver, great. But if he doesn't and he can't get, you know, you know, so so you're having trouble getting him to 240, 245 to be um, a tight end. Uh, does he have it in him to be like a Darius English type to get to 235 to where he's a he's a DPR, a down pass rusher on defense? Because you, you're a little light at edge anyway. Can he be a stand up edge? I mean, you think about him in high school and his defensive clips were outstanding. So were his offensive clips. So you hate to waste the athleticism, but, but the question becomes, can he, can he get big enough to play on the edge? Uh, can you have a package for him? Uh, is he a receiver? Uh, do you give up on him at tight end? You know, there's a lot of questions. Uh, keep in mind, Eric Shaw just finished his second year. And 2020 was just not a – was kind of a helter-skelter year for a lot of guys, and he got some playing time then uh, at linebacker. But we'll see kind of what's happened. Um, finally, I was impressed by your sidebar on purpose, uh, life purpose on the podcast last Friday. This is truly a community of enthusiasts in a time where we socialize less in person and more on virtual formats. It's more important than ever to bring folks together through these channels in a positive way. Media experts have the ability to exercise your influence, I guess it's mine, for good, while others choose to use their internet courage to be destructive to make themselves feel better or to get more views and likes for a short time. Keep spreading your passion and sharing your gifts in a positive way. Thanks, VJ. Ah, VJ, it means a lot to me, man. And that's, that's like I said, you know, you talk about purpose in life and getting aligned with it. It's hard for people to do. I have a friend of mine right now going through a heck of a time, you know, just an awful divorce, you know, he's never even thought about it. And he's so, so much more miserable than, you know, someone that faced that type of adversity would be if they had that alignment. And it's sad. 
Uh, and I didn't have it at one point in my life, and I was miserable, miserable SOB, you know. Sometimes I still am. <laughs> but thanks, thanks, VJ. I really appreciate that. We're going to go one more, okay? And then uh, I'm going to release a mailbag-only episode later today because i got to get ready for JB and Goldwater. I'm going to be on Lots on the Gamecocks. And i got some writing to do. Then I'm coming back this afternoon and releasing a mailbag-only thing because I don't want to leave you guys hanging for too long. Chris says, hey, JC, we got idiots out here on the Twitterverse saying these staff movements are laid at the feet of Sat. I'm no Sat fan, but I saw one account saying he got into multiple physical confrontations in the building and had to be separated by Beamer and others. One of the guys leaving wasn't even technically an old field coach. Please set the record straight as you can. The people who say this crap belong in a padded room with toy trains, Webkin stalls, and a cup to catch all the drool they're spewing. Yeah, and like the negative crap on Twitter. Look, there's some people out there on Gamecock Twitter who, you know, or just just say crap. Uh, I don't even know if half of them are Gamecock fans because uh, I've run across a few where if you cross-reference and you kind of do a quick Google search, you'll see them in orange and purple on their other social media, so, you know, or, or, or red and black or whoever. Yeah. I don't think I've seen any North Carolina people uh, on there, but uh, you got some haters, some Gamecock haters out there opposed to Gamecock fans. It's, it's a show. Then you got some people that that have the, you know, they, they dress it up like an official Gamecock media thing, and uh, there's just a lot of crap that goes through there. I saw, you know, and look, I love G.A. Mangus, uh, and, and I did not mention him for the tight ends job because I haven't heard he's in the mix or has talked to anybody. But, you know, and everybody's like, G.A. Mangus is coming back. And, it, you know, but I have – I would know, you know, if that were something that that was going to – or that I've heard in this, you know, initial part of all this, uh, if it was imminent to go and have, I'd know about it. Now, that doesn't mean GA won't get it and won't emerge. It's just I've just not heard his name uh, affiliated with the job. Uh, and so that was surprising considering, you know, that I had heard other names and and, and, and people took that and ran with it. And some, some guy put it on my board, you know, and his username was I have sources. And then, then he accuses me of spin. And I'm like, dude, you just took a rogue Twitter account and put it in. You know, I don't know. Crazy people like that. But, um, yeah, the, the physical altercations in the building thing and had to be separated by and others, I have zero knowledge of that. And I've had very honest conversations about the offensive coordinator in that situation. I have have I've never heard a thing about that. Um, and I just I just don't think that, that I, I, you know, I'm not in the building every day. Uh, and, and I'm not saying that it's something that happened that they're not going to talk about, that they don't want out there uh, at 100%. But but I'm 98% sure that wasn't something that, that took place. And uh, I'll apologize to you guys and, and shoot it straight if I figure that out. Uh, and it did happen. And then that's going to be – if stuff like that did happen, it'll be a bad day, you know, because that's, that's just uh, – that would very much disappoint me and many others. But, I, you know, Sat had a physical altercation. well-documented when he was at Tennessee Tech. and You know, the coach he got into it with, 
tried to claim some things and sat in up being cleared by it. Um, I'm not saying this guy is, is beloved because <laughs> it's not, that's not, that's not true. Uh, but I do know they had a good meeting before the bowl and, you know, in that meeting, they cleared the air. People said, well, here's what we are pissed off about that you're doing wrong or that we think you're doing wrong and you're not listening. He's like, well, I'm sorry. You know, here's just the way I've coached all the time, but I'll adjust. You got to admire that. Um, now we'll see ultimately what comes up of it. But as far as uh, physical confrontations in the building, I would be so disappointed in everyone. Uh, you don't talk about leadership. Everyone that knew about that, that did not raise hell from Columbia to Charleston to Myrtle Beach to Charlotte about it, uh, and they just kind of let it slide, I would be so disappointed. And, and, and that – it also kind of means, you know, what do you mean by physical confrontation, you know, in, in, in the building? You know, it, was it at practice and, you know, they almost came to blows because they're yelling? I mean, what, what, is it, what does that actually mean? So I'd have to have the details like that. But if it was a physical altercation multiple times in the building and Shane Beamer didn't fire him, I don't think you can just chalk that up to, you know, boys being boys or whatever. Now, I'm telling you right now, until I know differently, I'm going to say that's not true because uh, I think I'd have known about it, you know. And, and and if the 1% chance that it is true comes out, we'll revisit it. But I'm telling you absolutely right now, I have heard nothing about Satterfield getting into physical altercations in the Carolina football building multiple times or even once, you know, um, that kind of thing. So I, you know, I, I would be very, very surprised, shocked and surprised, surprised uh, if that indeed happened. But thanks, Chris. And always ask me about things you see on the Twitterverse um, and all that. Let, let's go. Uh, oh, let's go. I don't know. One more. VJ has another good thing. He says, I'm not sure why, but I was really put off with seeing Adam Schefter break the news about Tom Brady's retirement several days before Tom himself was ready. The days between saw every other news outlet pick it up, then awkwardly attempt to not misreport using words like might be and allegedly. For a respected journalist, I found Schefter's actions to be careless and lacking integrity. I respect that journalists build long-term relationships with famous people, and perhaps in the past it was a privilege to be able to break stories and get an interview, but now in the age of social media, where athletes themselves, their agents, or PR teams can get the message out in seconds, it seems like not as big of a deal to be first to report. Having heard you reference knowing high school recruits are committed, and still keep it to yourself, proves your journalistic integrity, and these are just kids. That's, and I've always had that policy. I've always had that policy. Um, and crystal ball kind of helps us do our job and then protect protect them from their moment. Although we don't put in crystal ball predictions. If if we haven't and we find out a guy's committed, we, we, we don't do that. But sometimes, most of the time, I'm out in front of it, and, and so is Hale. Uh, I'd love to know your opinion on the Brady situation or whether breaking the story is really that important anymore, especially considering if you were too early with it or just inaccurate. You know, Adam Schefter, to me – and there was something that he reported a while back where he allowed, you know, he ran something by a source before he wrote it. 
and all the journalist people, you know, the, 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 the hardcore J school guy, or I don't even know if they're J school guys, but you know, they, they hate on Schefter cause he's got scoop and you know, it, it, it raises your blood pressure when you're in this business, when a competing outlet has something before you, I've lived that recently. <laughs> uh, and so I get that. I get the jealousy. Uh, but that's what that was. Now, he's taking some heat over the, the Brady thing. And I tend to agree with you, you know, that, that, hey, but, but, but I think there's more to it. I think, I think with Shepard, there's probably a misunderstanding. And he had it from three different sources. And Brady had not – he probably couldn't get Brady on the phone, which – I think Adam Schefter's probably talked to Brady a bunch. Um, and I get it. You know, Tom Brady's a big boy. He's a celebrity. Um, it's the biggest story in football. You have to go with it if you got it. Uh, but I'm all, I don't know Adam Schefter personally, but I'm almost positive that he did everything he could to get Tom Brady himself or his agent or somebody like that to confirm. Uh, and so on Brady's end, if you're sitting, you're his agent, by the way, and you're sitting there like, you know, butthurt about Schefter's reporting, you should probably call him up and say, and maybe this happened. I don't know. You probably call him up and say, hey, man, look at him. Uh, it's happening, but it's Tom Brady. Can we let him go out? You know, you can break it 15 minutes before he posts on his uh, social media, you know, and and, and that's fine. And, and there, there's always a way. There's always a deal to be made when you're in situations like that that serve your audience and your integrity and the subject you're reporting on. So, um, so we'll go from there. All right. Thanks VJ for the couple of questions. The rest of you, one, two, three, four, five, like I said, going to do a special uh, mailbag only episode. It'll come out tonight or tomorrow morning for Saturday or whatever. Talk maybe a little more basketball. Then This is JC Sherbert. I got to get off um, going to, uh, Going to do a special JB and Goldwater today. And uh, they got them locked on the Gamecocks podcast with Keith later. Thanks so much for listening. Been an eventful week, folks. Be sure to tune in to the podcast, bigspur.com, all that good stuff. We appreciate you. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon.